As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. A fight breaks out at a high school basketball game. Players and fans flood the court. Not one of the Thomas Moore players threw a punch. And the referees decide to suspend everyone. What would we expect this crew to do? Try to sort out who did what to whom? I mean, really? This week's episode of Open Record is not about what happened on the court, but in court. Uh, there is a record for How a judge's ruling changed the course of the state basketball playoffs and what that could mean for the future of high school sports in Wisconsin. Trying to get the courts to intercede in, in these types of decisions by referees is something that uh, is, is going to be going to a very bad place if this starts to happen. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello, hello. We are recording this episode on St. Patrick's Day, Thursday, March 17th. We are joined this week by Fox 6 reporter Sam Kramer. Welcome to Open Record, Sam. Hi, Brian. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So before we get into talking about today's subject, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that it is St. Patrick's Day. And two years ago is when we had probably our most infamous episode of Open Record. It's when Amanda St. Hilaire and I went in undercover uh, to a, a local watering hole that was... Uh, defying the rules of Governor Evers um, that had just come down regarding COVID. I mean, here we are two years later, and uh, St. Patrick's Day is very, very different. The NCAA tournament is taking place at Fiserv Forum. There's going to be thousands of fans. This is a very different day, isn't it? I think about that episode probably more than I should. Um, But you're right. The timing of it is now, and it just – St. Patrick's Day will always have a different – a different feel to me, just especially after that's kind of, you know, two years ago when all of this stuff started and the shutdown of everything. So um, I certainly appreciate where we're at right now. Um, and I just I hope it kind of <laughs> rides the wave. So I also think back to I can remember a press conference at the steps of the Milwaukee County Courthouse with this task force that they were just standing up to kind of address COVID. And they're like, hey, we're going to do a press conference every day. And one of the big questions out of that was, well, should we be shutting down the bars for St. Patrick's Day? Because all these people are going to be going out and just thinking at the time, what a novel concept that would be to where we are now. Um, It's a heck of a turnaround. To be on a St. Patrick's Day in Wisconsin with empty bars was uh, surreal. And of course, you can hear it in my voice. Here's the great irony is that two years later, as everything's getting back to normal, I'm the one who has COVID. So I am recording this from home. I am not in the proximity of, of Sam and Sarah. But uh, while everybody else is enjoying life that's feeling a little bit more like usual, here I am stuck on day seven with a COVID infection, hopefully turning the corner. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. 
there's a lot happening in the world and, and as, as things get back to normal. And one of those things is the state high school basketball playoffs. And there's been a lot of coverage recently uh, about what happened with St. Thomas Moore's high school basketball team. And this all started with a, a game against Fuller Collegiate Academy. Sam, you've covered this story uh, throughout what's happened ever since. Take us back to, to what happened in that game and sort of how it sets the scene for, for what's happening now. Yeah, so this is uh, a couple weeks ago now. Um, it's, it's a regional semifinal. And to, to you know just to set the base, St. Thomas Moore is having one of the best seasons they've had in probably a few decades. Um, they have a 30-point lead over Fuller Academy. Uh, in late in the game, I think both teams kind of transitioned to have uh, some of their bench players on, on the court because it's a 30-point deficit uh, you know, for Fuller. Uh, it looks like you know, St. Thomas Moore is just trying to dribble out the clock when uh, a player falls to the ground, and his defender from Fuller kind of steps over him, and this St. Thomas Moore player took offense to that shoves him, and then all of a sudden, the court is stormed. St. Thomas Moore player comes to try and pull him away, not get him in trouble. Um, there's even, you know, just fans and parents running onto the court, and both benches clear. And it's kind of this chaotic scene that plays out for uh, at least two and a half to three minutes. And then ends kind of abruptly with the ref saying, all right, there, you know, there's 44 seconds left in the game, but we're going to call it right here. Um, it's done. It's over with. There's, you know, 30 point, again, 30 point difference in 44 seconds is nothing that they're going to be able to overcome. Um, and that's just kind of it for the day being. That was a Friday. The next day, uh, the officials in their report, um, following rules that are set in the National Federation of State High School Associations, uh, eject every player. They, they just kind of blanketly suspend every player. Um, because it's the rule there that if you leave your bench, you're uh, disqualified. And, and really that's an ejection, but really means you're suspended for the next game. Uh, well, their next game was the next day. That would have been the regional final against Brown Deer. So the coach, John Hoke, had two options, basically. Could have called up his junior varsity team to play or forfeit. Um, and after trying to talk to the WIAA to appeal this, uh, they decide to forfeit only later to take it into court. I want to clarify one thing because I, I think this has been lost or maybe there's been confusion along the way. The game against Fuller Collegiate Academy, even though they cut it off with 44 seconds to go, they didn't that they didn't create a forfeit there. St. Thomas More won that game. They were winning by a lot. The referees didn't take that win away from them. The problem was that by suspending all of these players for a game, they weren't able to compete in the next game, which means, of course, you're out of the playoffs, right? That's correct. It was all about that next game, which, again, in this playoff tournament, it's, it's win or go home. The other thing that kind of caught my eye as, we, you know, as the story was developing, and you, know, you kind of said that they—, they um, suspended or you know all basically a blanket of all the team roster um part of the rub was that there was even a player that wasn't even at the game he, he wasn't even there like not even in the facility not in the building um so like how did that you know is that just part of the blanket we just go down the roster and suspend them all I think it was really a blanket suspension because if you look at the video and and actually coach Hoke brought this up too okay you, you know the the rules state anyone who leaves the bench is automatically suspended. Well, by virtue of being a basketball game, there are five players on the court. 
why are those five players being suspended? And then again, yeah, that sixth player who is at home sick, um, you know, I think instead of perhaps going through the video and really kind of combing through it frame by frame and saying, oh, number 30 was here, you know, number 25 did this or that, I think they just kind of went general with the approach here with that uh, ejection suspension. Well, if my understanding is correct, Sam, and I know you've talked to a lot of the parties involved here, one of the issues that comes up in these sorts of situations is there are a lot of people at these games who take video. It might be the team that's recording video for their own studying of the next, you know, for the next game. It might be a fan in the stands that takes video, but it's inadvertent. There is no official video review in the WIAA, right? I mean, they can't officially, in their rules, go back and say, let's look at the video and break it down. The officials on the court have to make decisions based on what they've seen in person. Am I saying that right? You are. You know, it's it's high school sports. There There is no, um, uh, you know, instant replay available right off the, the scorer's bench. They have to really kind of assess the entire situation as is, and there are three of them. Um, and if you look at number of people running onto the court, I mean, it's it's probably uh, in advance of 50 people. So how do you expect three people to sort that out, you know, at, at ground level? It's 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 a tough it's a tough assessment for them. So there's obviously a chaotic situation and the officials decide we're just going to suspend everyone. Now, you pointed out that they did this in a post game report, which I think these these game reports are, are commonplace, the officials file. But it, if I understand correctly, then they didn't make this decision to suspend everyone right there on the court, correct? This this happened after the fact in the game report. Does that play a factor in what happened next? It does. Uh, now, in, in chatting with St. Thomas More, they had a feeling that something like this was coming. Um, so they, there was worry about it Friday night. Um, but Saturday morning is when they found out in the game against Brown Deer, this would have been the regional championship, was to be played later that night. Um, so again, they, they tried, you know, trying to plead their case to the WIAA through that sort of appeal process, but so they weren't getting any headway. Um, again, they could have called up their JV team, but instead they chose to forfeit just hours after learning that most of their team would be suspended. Not most, the entire team. Do you, do you think now the the decision to not bring up any JV, is that a, uh, I'm going to use the word like a protest of, you know, the thing is that, was that intentional? you think? I think I think so, but also uh, there, there's a talent drop off. I mean, really, you know, if those kids were good enough to play varsity, if those kids were good enough to, to play varsity, they would be on varsity. And it's, you know, I, I grew up here. I, I played in a WIAA sport. If I had the chance to be in the playoff as a senior, and that opportunity was taken away from me, I mean, I know how I would feel. Um, so I, I just don't think, I, you know, I think coach looking at that said, well. My players have gone through this. They've they've you know put in a, a ton of sweat equity. Um, they deserve the chance to play this. So the uh, St. Thomas More uh, had tried to plead their case at WIAA, didn't get anywhere, and they feel like we have no other option here. They forfeit the game, but then they go to court. They go to an not a basketball court, but an actual court of law. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's a civil lawsuit um, that they filed in Milwaukee County Circuit Court that uh, is filed uh, just shortly before the next game was to be played, uh, which was going to be Brown Deer and Dominican. Uh, in fact, the, the, the temporary restraining order that, that is handed down comes out about an hour 
or two before that game is supposed to be played. So they're arguing, um, you know, that it, there's irreparable harm. And actually the judge uses that in her, um, you know, ruling of a temporary restraining order uh, to essentially put St. Thomas More back in. Um, you know, St. Thomas More saying, you know, they were essentially cheated out of this. Um, they took the entire team there. They dressed up in shirt and tie and what have you to, to really fight for their season. And talking to some players this week, they kind of always felt that they would have another chance. They didn't flip the switch in their brain. They always just had this assumption. Uh, and that assumption turned out to be right. The judge ruled, um, Judge Hannah Dugan ruled in their favor, uh, which then kind of throws this remaining sectional bracket into chaos. As I said, Brown Deer and Dominican were supposed to play in about an hour, hour and a half. Um, there were fans at the school, at Whitefish Bay High School, who had no idea that this was even happening, um, had no idea that the game had been called uh, because they had to go back a level for St. Thomas More to go ahead and play Brown Deer. I, I want to just say one thing because or point out one thing that the term irreparable harm often with injunctions, what a judge is really determining is there's a full case that needs to be heard, but that's going to take time. And these cases can take sometimes, if not months, years uh, to resolve. So by the time we resolve this, the tournament's over. And if we were to find that, in fact, St. Thomas More High School had been wronged, well, there's irreparable harm. You can't go back and replay the games. But I would raise the question of what about the flip side to that? Because we now see that the judge allowed the St. Thomas More High School team to play and they beat Brown Deer in overtime. And perhaps Brown Deer would have beaten Dominican. Perhaps they would not have lost that game. So if later on the judge finds that, in fact, the WIAA was right and the referees were right, is there not irreparable harm done to Brown Deer, I, I think that's one of the questions that maybe gets lost in a little bit. It's no matter which way you go, somebody could potentially get hurt here. I think that's a totally valid question because, you know, on one hand, like you said, I mean, just look at the situation. They are, their fans are at the school. They are ready to play this game. And then a judge's order flips that on its head. Uh, and then the next day, actually, they have to go back and play St. Thomas More. I think you're absolutely right in the fact that, yeah, I could see the argument for ir- irreparable harm for St. Thomas More. But yeah, if if a judge decides down the road, you know what, the WIAA was right, their officials did follow the rules. Is it unfortunate for you? Sure, but they were the rules. Um, if St. Thomas More goes on to win this thing and then have to vacate it, I mean, that's, a, that's an entirely different process that, yes, would be, um, you know, kind of a, a annoying to work through. But it, it is, you could argue it's unfair for the teams that uh, still went through this but came up short. I just think about how amped teams get, you know, and, and players. And I think about even just playing high school sports myself and, and what a big deal it is. And th- those are just games and these are the playoffs. And so I can only imagine kind of the, the energy and the attitude and then to learn that was kind of ripped away that just that night and, you know, what was going to happen next. So the judge's ruling and then what does the WIAA say about the whole thing? Yeah, so the WIAA kind of always stood by its officials. Um, they sent out a statement that night saying that, you know, they're, they're going to um, kind of retool things and, and, and kind of make sure everything regarding the integrity of this tournament is good to go. Um, so then St. Thomas More, and that game was a Thursday. And so because um, the, they had been reinstated, they had to kind of condense the, the remaining bracket. So they play three games in three days. NBA teams don't even do that. Um, But they win all three games in three days. And on Monday of this week, 
after St. Thomas More gets into state, the WIAA sends this letter to all 516 member schools. And in short, that letter says, or essentially goes over three main points. First, they feel that lawsuits around the WIAA and to the courts uh, undermine their rules, undermine their officials. I mean, they have rules for this process. Again, St. Thomas More did try appealing to WIAA first. The second main point was that based on their review, the referees actually did apply the NFHS rules accurately. So they totally stand by their officials. And third, at the end, it's kind of snuck in there, but it says the border control is going to review and perhaps update its bylaws to address this trend. And when we saw the word trend, we went and took a look I've seen at least eight lawsuits filed against the WIAA since 2019. Uh, That's a lot. And I can see where they're coming from as far as issues with interscholastic sports and, you know, trying to circumvent the rules set there to the court, um, which, you know, is really what, at the end of the day, what what makes this a bigger story? Well, that we just talked about. I mean, if you listen or you watch Fox 6 News, if you listen to Open Record, you know we've already talked about a very, very similar issue on this podcast, which was the case involving a wrestler by the name of Hayden Halter, who a, a referee had uh, called two uh, fouls on that resulted in a disqualification or an ejection. And that meant the suspension for one match. And because of that suspension, he was out of the playoffs. His father and, and his attorney went to court, got a very similar injunction that allowed him to wrestle, required WIAA to let him wrestle. He went on to win the state title. And as I mentioned earlier, Sam, that case progressed. And two years later, the court said, actually, WIAA and an official for the tournament, you were correct. And he should have been ejected and he should have been suspended. And so the WIAA has officially gone back and stripped Hayden Holter of his state wrestling title. But as the uh, association points out, and as the National Association of Sports Officials, which clearly backs these referees, points out, you can't go back and re-wrestle that bracket. So any of the wrestlers that Hayden Halter beat along the way, who a, a wrestler who'd been rightly disqualified, according to the courts now, you can't go back and give them an opportunity to win state. So one way or the other, there's potentially harm. And there is that issue of the question, and, I, and I've heard this from NASO, which just happens to be to be based right here in Wisconsin, in Racine. Um, so this is the national organization that represents and advocates for referees and officials of all kinds in all sports and the WIA. They both say this is a trend they're concerned about. And, and, and I want to address that question, Sam, because every time there's high stakes sporting event, there are people who don't like the results. They don't like what the referee did. They think the referee made the wrong call and someone feels wronged. And the question becomes, will this become a thing that every time a school feels like they got a bum deal, they're going to run to court and get an injunction and be allowed to move on? Is that the concern you're hearing? And and, and is there some reality, some validity to that? If you ask the WIAA, that is their concern. Absolutely. 100 percent. Uh, and I think some schools feel that way as well, uh, just in chatting with St. Thomas More too. And I asked the head coach about this. I, you know, it, it does set up this kind of slippery slope where are we just going to every time, you know, just by the nature of the game, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose. So are we just setting up this situation, this scenario where every time the losing team falls, if there's, if it's a, you know, it's a narrow margin, um, is there a way that they can get back in with the courts? Absolutely. I actually asked head coach John Hoke this week, okay, where's the line in your eyes are, you know, for basketball? Are we going to 
sue over a missed traveling violation or a, a regular foul every time something is missed because fact of the matter is the officials are human. Uh, you know, look at Major League Baseball. They have issues with uh, umpiring and, and that is the highest level of that sport. It, it's just going to happen. Uh, not to mention that that field right now is so struggling with people to really officiate these games in the first place. Um, but there is, you know, and, and so in that when I talked to uh, Coach Hoke, he said it, I, he well, the way he sees it is that there's a line between in-game calls versus something like this, which he said was kind of after the fact, was more procedural in paperwork. He says he doesn't see a grounds for, you know, again, if if a shot goes off right before the end of the buzzer, but the losing team says, no, it didn't go off in time. Well, he says that should be on the officials. But something like this, where it has implications for the next game, again, because it's based in that official's report is mostly procedural, he says that makes it different. And I think, too, you know, just even just from what you said, Sam, I think about even like Little League stuff. You see those signs, you know, that kind of go viral sometimes that are like, dude, we're all human, you know, like, don't sit here. This is not, you know, professional sports, which then funny enough, like professional sports also have their their challenges. But also in the day and age that we're, we're in is that everyone's got their phone out. And so you're right. If there's one issue and someone's like, I have video of this now, I, I have grounds for a lawsuit. Um, and so I think there's also that challenge of, you know, everybody's a, you know, a lawyer and a videographer. So I think that raises another challenge for them. I totally agree um, because, you know, the, the video evidence, I think the, the argument is the video evidence doesn't lie. And, and you know, the, how, how could a ref miss this, right? The speed of these games is so fast. Video, slow motion makes anything more dramatic. But in real time, it's tough to see. Uh, and, and that includes this this kind of clearing of the benches that we saw. Well, and, and to beyond that point, whether or not a call is correct, calls are judgment calls. It is the judgment of an official whether a thing violates one of the rules, the rules themselves. So the, so the, the, the referee is, in effect, a judge. They are interpreting the rules and did what occur violate the rules. Now, you can certainly second guess that in video. I brought up before that there is no video replay. If there's not a consistent system for reviewing calls, you you know, can you reasonably ask one referee to be held to account by a video a fan took at this game when maybe fans in another game would have missed the controversial moment? I think the, the, the bigger picture question is, at what point do sports officials' calls become final? Um, at what point do the rules that are set forth become, you know, the, the governing rules? And, and is is each one of these things potentially subject to intervention by the circuit courts. Will we have, like we have drug courts, will, be, will there be a sports court at some point to deal with controversial calls? There's a lot on the line in these games, not just potentially state titles. There might be uh, scholarships to a university that could lead to a professional career. So for a lot of these players, there is a lot on the line and a suspension could really uh, be a problem. But, but Sam, is, is this going to be, you know, sports court going forward? I wonder, you know, based on that WIAA letter, the looking at updating and reviewing policies, if that's what they mean, if that's what they want to attack as far as figuring this out. I, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, the county courts, but I do think that, they, you know, again, I brought up the number eight lawsuits since 2019. Some of those are, are for what we're talking about. Others are more for, um, you know, a player trying to move and then all of a sudden play at a new school. Um, 
but it is an issue. It's a growing issue. So I, I do think, you know, I, I don't know if it's the WIAA that would manage that, but I think there is something that needs to be done as far as looking at the policies in place here. Are, and I'm sorry, just to make sure I understand, are you suggesting that they're looking at potentially some sort of a more robust appeals, appeals process within WIAA? I think so, um, because I, I think what their letter says without really saying it is stop suing. We're, we're done with this process, right? Um, they don't want, you know, they have their own rules and all schools more or less have a say in how those rules are formed. So why then are you circumventing the rules to go to the courts? And in video, I, I wonder how video could play in because, you know, in fact, when we were at the uh, regional final between Brown Deer and St. Thomas More, we talked to some Brown Deer fans about just kind of how they felt about this whole process. And somebody wisely told us, you know, think about if the roles were switched here. Fuller Collegiate Prep doesn't really have the budget that St. Thomas More High School would. If they were in their shoes, would they have the means to take this to court? Uh, would everyone be videoing the game? I'm not sure. It, it, there, there definitely is an equity question or a fairness question here. Um, that I think the WIAA has to attack somehow in its bylaws. It does strike me that these issues tend to come up in the playoffs because the playoffs are where a one-game suspension means the end of a season, the end of a chance at the title. You're probably not going to see many lawsuits about an early season, regular season matchup. Um, maybe football where each win means a little bit more for, for what's going to happen at the end, but, but generally it's going to be the playoffs. The playoffs tend to be recorded. Um, and they tend to be uh, recorded by uh, the same organization that shoots all the video for the various WIAA sports. I wonder if there's not potentially a place for some sort of video review down the road, although I'm sure that would be a, a controversial proposal. I certainly think there could. I, I think they could do it. I mean, really, look at what's available now um, just between cell phones. And like you said, I, I believe they have an iPad or or some sort of lower tech camera up on top that just pans back and forth the entire game. Um, but it's a process and it takes time. And so, you know, if they, I, I could see officials being very opposed to the thought of instant replay coming down to high school sports. But if that's what it would take to really kind of confirm a judgment call or be even more accurate on calls, is that a price they're willing to pay versus, you know, these courtroom interventions? Well, I think that's as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun, and we do that by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And here to ask us that question, of course, is executive producer Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah, what do you have this week? Hello again. Hi. Um, okay, so I... Uh thought with St. Patrick's Day and luck and stuff like that, and, and also talking about, I guess, now about high school sports, uh, superstitions and, and things you might do that you think are lucky. Um, so my question today is, do you have any superstitions? Are you superstitious? Do you do anything before coming to work? Do you do anything before your favorite sports teams play? Uh, do you have anything that's considered lucky that you either carry around or touch three times. I don't know. Uh, as a high school athlete, so I played baseball and volleyball. Um, if we were able to, if my pants didn't get dirty in baseball and we won, I would stay wearing them until we lost, wash the bad juju out of them. Uh, <laughs> as far as now, Packers, I mean, you know, diehard Wisconsin sports fan. Um, uh, 
I have uh, my, my, my Rogers jersey, my, my Packers socks. If something, <laughs> if the game doesn't go the way it should, I, I'm not wearing the socks the next time. So Socks go. Yeah. That's um, funny enough with the baseball thing. And I, I have a few, but like I just, when you mentioned the baseball thing, my husband um, played amateur baseball. And so he had this hat and it was like so scuzzy. And this was when we were still dating. <laughs> not that it matters, but I like didn't understand the whole juju thing. So they were winning, winning, winning. And I, I would wash, I would do laundry. And so I threw his uniform in, I threw his hat in one of those like hat washer holder things. And he's like, why you washed my hat? He's like, we're on this winning streak and you want, oh my God. I mean, like you would have thought I took it and cut it into seven. Have you pieces. not, have you not seen Bull Durham? You got, you have to know, you <laughs> don't <have> <laughs> bleep with a winning streak. But holy cow, I learned my lesson. I never that, touched it after that. Yeah. When it comes to sports Ooh. and superstitions, Bull Durham is the ultimate. And I think baseball is probably the most superstitious of the sports, the players, the history, the tradition. Um, and, and I know that I grew up a huge fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. I know it makes me an enemy here. Uh, but I grew up in St. Louis, and so a big baseball fan, obviously a great baseball city. And so, I, I, you know, there are certain things that I just take for granted. I don't even think of superstitions. Like when you're coming off the field, you don't step on the foul line. You step over the foul line. That's just a given. But I don't even think of it as a superstition. It's almost just more like etiquette. Like you don't, step, you don't step on the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't play baseball beyond ninth grade. So it's not like that's ingrained in me. I'm, I'm more of a soccer player. I don't have a lot of superstitions, but I do know that... Uh, when it comes to being a Packers fan, a lot of Packers fans are very superstitious. Um, and, and in particular, there's a group of friends that we watch games with. One of them likes to host Packers parties. And over the years, she's become known for being the person who's always in the kitchen when the Packers do something great. So whenever the Packers are down late in a game and it's really stressful, everybody yells, Melanie, get in the kitchen! Go to the kitchen now! And earlier this year, there was uh, what was the game? I think it might have been the Vikings, and and she was in. We're at uh, we're at Harbor Hills in Port Washington, a bowling alley, and we're all in the bar area watching the game on TV. And it's a, a, a really tense moment. And she hides in the kitchen of the bar. They let her hide in the kitchen, and something great happened. And the Packers tied the game, and we're like, it worked, it worked. But of course, a short time later, the Vikings are in position to kick a game-winning field goal, and she runs back into the kitchen, and the field goal went in, and we lost. So. It's one of those that even though it doesn't always work, sometimes you just hang on to superstitions because what else do you have in a tense moment? Right. You, yeah, you don't have the skill to help the team, but like, okay, if wearing this one shirt this 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 way, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And if they win, I'm going to wear it the same way with a sweater over it, you know, whatever that is. I think for me, like the one thing that I can think of offhand that it's not sports related. Um, it's actually quite silly when I will say it. Um, so if I'm driving and I am going to drive under one of those railroad trusses and a, and a train is going over it at the time, I put my hand up to like the roof of my car again to keep this it is from not falling on you yes yes it's so <laughs> stupid i know i already prefaced with that but like it's just such a thing i do and i don't even i don't i don't even know where it came from i don't know why i do it it's probably because i have anxiety issues but i think the thing is like i, I don't know like that my hand's not going to stop anything if the train's coming down <laughs> that's my time but anyway it's do you do it without thinking is it just so like so natural yeah. that you without i mean and 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 really also like how many times do you drive on one of those and there isn't a train more so but every once in a while maybe i should look at it as like a lucky thing or a good i don't know i told you you feel like you're nutty. making a difference yeah like just you <laughs> by holding the roof up difference. you're like you know what 
there. I'm good. Not Sam, today. Sam, I'm a helper. I know you're Sarah Smith. <laughs> Sarah Smith is working for you. <laughs> Sam, it's been great having you on Open Record. And I want to point out, by the way, Sam is actually off work today and wanted to, on his own time, come in and take part on the podcast. Really appreciate your time today, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. Smitty, thanks to you as well for joining us. No problem. Great to be here. As always, thank you to all the people who make this podcast possible, not just Sarah Smith, but also producer Pete and our extraordinary editor, Dave Machuda. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again next week.